Let us pray. As we gather, may it be this evening our care and delight to prepare ourselves to hear again the message of the angels, in heart and mind to go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, and with the Magi adore the child lying in his mother's arms. Let us read and mark in Holy Scripture the tale of the loving purposes of God from the first days of our disobedience until the glorious redemption brought us by this holy child. And let us make this church glad with our carols of praise. But first, let us pray for the needs of his whole world, for peace and goodwill over all the earth, for unity and brotherhood within the church he came to build, within the dominions of our sovereign Lady Queen Elizabeth, and within the university and city of Oxford. And let us at this time remember in his name the poor and the helpless, the cold, the hungry, and the oppressed, the sick in mind and in body, and them that mourn, the lonely and the unloved, the aged and the little children, and all who know not the loving kindness of God. Lastly, let us remember before God all those who rejoice with us, but upon another shore and in a greater light, that multitude which no man can number, whose hope was in the word made flesh, and with whom we forevermore are one. These prayers and praises let us humbly offer up to the throne of heaven in the words which Christ himself hath taught us. We pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
God announces in the Garden of Eden that the seed of woman shall bruise the serpent's head. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The servant deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
God promises to faithful Abraham that in his seed shall the nations of the earth be blessed. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. This is the word of the Lord.
Christ's birth and kingdom are foretold by Isaiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord.
The prophet Micah foretells the glory of little Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem Epaphra, though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. This is the word of the Lord.
The angel Gabriel salutes the Virgin Mary. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord.
In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to have the baby, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The shepherds go to the manger. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men 
on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. This is the word of the Lord.
The wise men are led to the star by Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
St. John unfolds the great mystery of the Incarnation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm sure you'd like me to, um, on your behalf, to say a huge thank you to everybody who's decorated the church and to Pete and the orchestra and the choir for leading us this evening. They've been fantastic. So let's show our appreciation of them. And let me add my uh, warm welcome to you, to, to Pete's. It's lovely to have you here, especially, well, it's lovely to have all of you here, but if you're visiting us or being brought along by friends, let me especially welcome you. Uh, I, I perhaps should just give you a warning that if you've come by bike, uh, when you go to retrieve your bike on the south side of the church, uh, tread carefully, because it's a building site. Uh, well, more accurately there, what remains there are the very basic foundations of the temporary building which used to stand there. Uh, we called it Southside. It was in its time a useful building, being little more than a sophisticated sort of porter cabin. It did not need very deep foundations, uh, as you can see in the light. But it had its uses, and while planning permission was granted and extended again and again, we used it for our youth work and many other functions. But uh, Southside was not secure. It was continually broken into. Uh, until we had Southside, my only experience of the Ecclesiastical Insurance Company uh, was as sponsors of the annual interdiocesan golf tournament. Uh, an event at which I have been spectacularly unsuccessful. But we had to make many claims on the insurance because of the break-ins to that building, and ecclesiastical were very helpful. It was not secure, nor was it permanent. Planning permission was granted only for a temporary period. After all, this is North Oxford, and eyesores are not permitted, as you know. So it has gone. But come back in a few weeks' time... And you will see that the temporary foundations will have been removed 
and I suspect that a huge hole will have been dug and work will have begun on the much more ambitious foundations for our new two-storey annex. And if you've not done so, let me encourage you to have a look at the virtual tour of it on our church website. The new building, for which many have prayed earnestly, worked hard and given generously, will, I trust, be both secure and permanent insofar as anything is permanent. It will require proper foundations. So buildings being much on my mind and on the mind of others at St. Andrews in recent months, I was very struck by a verse from Paul's first letter to Corinth, which we've been preaching our way through in our morning sermons here in the last few weeks. And in uh, that first letter, Paul writes this, he says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And he's saying that both the life of the individual Christian, each of us, and the corporate life of the church will only be secure and permanent if it is built on the foundation and work of the mini- and the ministry of the baby about whom we've been singing and hearing this evening. It is an extraordinary brave and bold claim. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And it got me thinking, buildings and that quote, what are the foundations of our lives? What determines the values and principles by which we live? What, what shapes our worldview? See, our foundations could be our family background, We could believe that that kind of permanently defines us. After all, it gives us our name. So I happen to come from from an old Dorset family, admittedly and rather sadly, the unlanded, impoverished, vicaring side of that family. And if I go to preach uh, more or less anywhere, I can be pretty much guarantee that after I have preached, however brilliantly I have preached, or not, as the case may be, Uh, some kindly old buffer will come up to me and say, now you must be one of the Dorset Wingfield Digbys. It happens thousands of times. If you're going to say that to me tonight, one person only managed it this evening so far. (laughs) Or perhaps you're defined by your job, or the place you live, or your ethnicity, or your wealth. Perhaps you are defined by your interests, or your gifts, If you are a musician, for instance, or an academic or a sports person, that might determine your worldview. As some of you know, I worked with the England cricket team for a while as their spiritual advisor. You may wonder what I'm doing in Oxford at the moment, but uh, there you go. I discovered that that professional sports people often allow their sport to define them. They are somewhat cosseted and cared for so that they perform and can sometimes fall into the trap of knowing nothing really about life except their sport. Imagine if at this moment you were a member of the England cricket team or management, and this was the foundation of your life. Neither secure nor permanent, I suspect. In case you've just come from another planet or or from America, we're currently uh, 
we're currently losing horrendously to Australia at cricket. And cricket, by the way, is a game, not an insect. <laughs> our, our foundations determine our worldview. And many, I suggest, are neither secure nor permanent. Families can, can easily disintegrate, often by Boxing Day. <laughs> jobs, jobs are lost. People move home. Ethnicity means less and less, mercifully, in our global community, as Nelson Mandela has famously taught us. Success in the performing arts or sport is notoriously fickle, and I could go on. And we've come here this evening to sing carols and to hear again the most famous story that's ever been told. And I suppose that story can be kind of window dressing in our lives, little more than religious tinsel on the tree of our secular existence. But it can be the window through which we see everything, or to revert to my original idea, it can be the foundation, the story can be the foundation on which every other part of our lives is built. Why, though? Why should we Christians, how dare we Christians, so vehemently advocate Jesus? In this relativistic age, how dare we claim that Jesus is the only way to God? It makes us unpopular, unfashionable, but we continue to do it boldly here at St. Andrews and in many other churches in our land. How dare we do that? Well, I want to leave you with two thoughts. If Jesus is the foundation of your life, then you are secure. If Jesus is the foundation of your life, you are secure. Our lives, the foundations on which we so often build them, of course are notoriously insecure. Even great men and women are thrown from positions of seemingly unassailable security. Nigella, riding high, one minute. Even the Prime Minister and his son are glued to her cooking show and then humbled and embarrassed in public in a courtroom. This week in our, in our church, a family associated with our church, uh, uh, a 30-year-old member of that family, healthy, glowing young woman, struck down and died in a few months with a brain tumour. Marriages seemingly stable and constant suddenly broken apart as one member can, sta can, up can stand the secret unhappiness no longer. So little is actually secure. But our lives in Jesus' hands are safe. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Total security because God has come to us, Emmanuel. Total security because these things happened. Jesus is real. He was born in a mucky stable of a single mother in a moment of, in history when a real tyrannical Caesar ruled Palestine. He was a refugee, homeless, then a little boy, then a teenager. He's not a myth. He's not like the tooth fairy. He really isn't. He's real. He knows about our insecurities. And he brings us what he called, uh, as, a, as a wonderful biblical word for security, he brought us shalom, peace, total security. My peace I leave with you, he said.
the reason we feel insecure, the reason we are not at peace, individually and globally, of course, is because both individually and globally, structurally, we have rebelled against God. We've terrorized his world. Look at the mess it's in. Now, Nelson Mandela was a terrorist. Uh, he argued, of course, that he only, um, he, he only took up violence in, in defense because of the state violence against the band ANC. But nevertheless, he was found guilty of terrorism, and he escaped death sentence only by a whisker, as we've all been reminded recently so powerfully on all the programs about him. But Nelson Mandela renounced violence as he studied and thought all through those long years in prison. So that when he emerged, as we all remember so vividly, I'm sure, 27 years uh, after being thrown into prison, he preached not violence, which leads to insecurity and mayhem, but forgiveness and reconciliation. But Mandela, for all his greatness, and he was very great, of course, could only offer us an example a model of forgiveness, which people may or may not follow. He could not forgive us. He could not forgive me my pride, my greed, my selfishness, my critical attitude to others. But Jesus can forgive me, and he can forgive you. Because the cradle in which the baby lay was replaced some 27 or so years later by a cross on which the necessary sacrifice hung. It is the cross, the place of forgiveness, that gives me security. That is why I can be secure. And I want us just to listen for a moment while Anita comes to read a poem by Lucy Shaw, which makes that point. Mary's Song Blue homespun and the bend of my breast Keep warm this small, hot, naked star Fallen to my arms Rest, you who have had so far to come Now nearness satisfies the body of God sweetly Quiet he lies, whose vigour hold a universe He sleeps whose eyelids have not closed before. His breath, so slight it seems no breath at all, once ruffled the dark deeps to sprout a world. Charmed by doves' voices, the whisper of straw, he dreams, hearing no music from his other spheres. Breath Mouth, ears, eyes, he is curtailed, who overflowed all skies, all years. Older than eternity, now he is new. Now native to earth as I am, nailed to my poor planet, caught that I might be free, blind in my womb to know my darkness ended. Brought to this birth for me to be newborn and for him to see me mended, I must see him torn. 
I must finish, but I said that if Jesus becomes the foundations of our lives, there would be two benefits, two thoughts to take home for Christmas. Because he has died for us, he offers us security. Because there is forgiveness, whatever has happened, there is forgiveness. Nothing can touch us. None of the terrible consequences of that rebellion can touch us. Not death, nor life, neither angel, nor demons, nor present, nor future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can ultimately affect the believer or separate us from the love of God as Paul wrote so powerfully in Romans 8. We are secure because we're forgiven. But that is not all. This is permanent. This is permanent. The Christian hope does not crumble, as perhaps even this great building and its extension will one day crumble. Because as the cradle gives way to the cross, the cross gives way to the empty tomb. This little holy child of Bethlehem The beginning of the story that we have remembered this evening is and becomes our victorious trailblazer into eternity who will return as king to claim his own. We need to be ready. Let's listen to some music.
Thanks, Joe. Let's pray. We thank you, uh, Lord Jesus, that this wonderful story is really the beginning of our story and is a story into which we can enter. And as we remember it this evening and as we think through what it will mean for our lives, we pray for our world, the world that you came to save, a world torn apart by violence and war. And as we sit here in, uh, and thank you that we can, in secure and peaceful, democratic, free Great Britain, we pray for brothers and sisters around the world who are persecuted for their faith. We pray for children who are homeless, children who are victims of war, so many parts of the world. We pray that peace might come. We pray for our own country. We thank you for the heritage that this story has given us. So many of the values and inheritance that we have as a nation come from adoption of this story, respect for people, the value of human life the inestimable privilege of being a human being uh, which the Lord God of the universe came to share. These things are, have made our country what it is. And we pray for our nation, uh, Lord Jesus, that you would call us back to yourself, call us back to respect for your ways, honoring your truth, proclaiming the values that have made us a great nation. We pray that you would have mercy on us as a nation. We pray for our our church leaders, that you would give them courage to speak boldly for you. We pray for this great city of Oxford and the universities here. We thank you for the privilege of living in this beautiful, beautiful place. And we pray that once again, the Lord would be the light of this city and our universities and that uh, your word would be honored, and this story would be heard and believed afresh. We pray for this parish in which we have been placed, for the schools and people amongst whom we live, that you would help us to serve them well in your name. And we pray for ourselves. We pray that you would help us to welcome this Lord Jesus into our lives, to, to welcome the story and the truth and the relationship. Perhaps, just as I close, you can pray this prayer in your heart from a carol that we've sung this evening. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to me, I pray. Cast out my sin and enter in. Be born in me today. Amen.
May the joy of the angels and the eagerness of the shepherds, the perseverance of the wise men, the obedience of Joseph and Mary, and the peace of the Christ child be yours this Christmas. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be among you now and remain with you always. Amen.